Well, good morning. Hasn't it been an incredible time of worship? And weren't those kids awesome? Oh, they were awesome. I can't wait till we have a whole platform full of kids, so get working on that, will you? I want to welcome you, and I want to just tell you that how glad I am that you're here. It's Palm Sunday, and today is the official day that we begin Holy Week. If you're a guest here this morning, I want to welcome you, and I want to say I'm so glad you're here. And for those of you who are watching online, welcome. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking for a church home, I would just say that immediately following the, the worship service, if you would just head out to the foyer, we have a, we have a place there called the... the um, What's it called again? The guest services. Just checking to see if you're paying attention. Very good. It's guest service. We've got some information for you, and it's just our way of saying we're really glad that you came to worship with us, and if you're looking for a church home, we would pray that you would think about making Central Community Church your home. So I have a question for you today, and I think this is probably true. I think you would probably agree with me is that for most of us here, I think that we could all say that we're probably really not afraid to die because we know where we're going. Would you agree? But can you imagine what life would be like for you if you knew the exact date that you were going to die? And not only the exact date that you were going to die, but the exact manner in which you would die? Do you think that that might change how you live? Can you imagine each and every day as you would wake up knowing that that date is out there and specifically if the manner in which the Lord chooses to take you home is not a manner that you would look forward to, can you imagine what it would be like to live your life like that? Do you think you would live it different? Take a look at this scripture verse here. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. You see, one of the things that I want you to recognize is that Jesus lived under the shadow of the cross 24-7. Can you imagine what it was like in those days when Jesus went with his mom and dad to Jerusalem? He was maybe 12 years old. They were there to celebrate the Passover and he would clutch, catch a glimpse of Golgotha over there to the left. Do you wonder if he ever thought to himself, yeah, I know that day's coming. So my question for you this morning is this is that, so what would motivate him? What would motivate him to keep moving toward the cross? And you know what the Bible tells us the answer. Here it is. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you see what it says here? For the joy set before him. That's his motivation. But do you know what that joy set before him is? Do you know? It's you. It's me. We're the motivation. We're the joy that kept Jesus on the path that led to the cross because he knew no matter what he had to go through, you and I were worth it. 
But the question now is this. Here we are on this Palm Sunday. So what's Jesus' frame of mind? Where is his heart right now as he prepares for the next eight days? Well, the Bible tells us. Take a look at this. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Amen? Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, his owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, from the very beginning of time, you had a plan for me and all mankind. So once again, I declare, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I just want to remind you that everything in the Old Testament points to something very special in the New Testament, right? I remember when we went to the Holy Lands, one of the things that one of the guides said to us, take your Bible, open it up, and there's a page between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Tear it out. I thought, you don't tear pages out of your Bible. But I understand what he was saying. It all serves a purpose. Will you permit for me to go back a little bit into the New Testament 
to help you to prepare for what is happening today. Because today is not just Palm Sunday, it's presentation day. And that's what I want you to understand and explain. Because what God presents today, you will have to come up with an answer. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the garden, remember? And Satan was there. The Bible describes Satan for us, and Satan comes, and what does he do? He deceives Eve and Adam, and they eat, and they fall into sin. We pick this up in the scriptures. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Do you remember what happened next? The Lord begins to be in his journey. He walks in the garden, doesn't he? And he's calling out to Adam and Eve, where are you? And the thing that the Lord finds out is that they've been hiding. Why? Because they knew they were naked. What happened, people? Immediately, God had placed and put his plan of redemption in place. He put it into action. How do we know? Take a look at this. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. There is something very important that we learn here, and that is this. The only way that you can pay for sin is there must be the shedding of blood. In Genesis 22, we're introduced to a man by the name of Abraham. And God said to him, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, and I want you to sacrifice him on a mountain that I will show you. So Abraham, the next morning, gets his servant, his son Isaac. They take the wood, they load the donkey, and they head to the mountain. On the third day, the Bible tells us, the third day, the mountain is in sight. And Abraham says to the, to the, to the servant, he goes, my son and I will go to the mountain, we will worship, and then we will come back. You need to understand that Abraham had a faith in God, and he believed that even if God wanted him to sacrifice his son, that God would raise him from the dead. On that trip up to that mountain there, Isaac asks his dad a question. Hey, pops, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Do you remember what Abraham said to him? He said, Isaac, the Lord will provide. Abraham places Isaac on the altar. He pulls out his knife to slay him, and the Lord says, stop. Do not lay a hand on the boy, for now I know. Do you remember what happened? Immediately in the brush, the Bible tells us, is that there was a ram that was caught in the thicket. What had just happened? God had provided the sacrifice in Isaac's place so that they could worship God and then come back. 
Do you know what the name of that mountain was? It was called Mount Moriah. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize that it was a picture that some 2,000 years later, on that very mountain side, God offered up the lamb that would take away the sins of the world. Oh, come on, Pastor Bob, that's just a coincidence. Take a look at this. Exodus 12, verse 3. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the day, 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Now, what is happening here today in this particular verse? We are introduced to what's called the Passover. And I want you to remember, once again, everything that happens in the Old Testament points to something that's in the New Testament. And the Passover was a representation, right? It represented the fact that the blood... The blood, oops, sorry. That the blood that was placed on the doorframe, you remember that that blood was there and that shed blood from the lamb guaranteed that the angel of death would pass over that doorframe and everyone in that household was saved. The blood of the lamb on the doorframe Save the people in the home from certain death. Just like the blood that was shed on the cross, how that blood also saves you and I from certain spiritual death. Are we all on the same page? Wait just a second, I gotta make sure I didn't get any on my clothes. Anyway, all right, now, here's what I want you to remember. This is the important part. In the Passover, the lamb that was chosen to be sacrificed for the home was presented on the 10th day in the month of Nisan. This is the Hebrew calendar, okay? On the 10th day in the month of Nisan, the lamb would be brought into the home and presented to the family, and that blood from that lamb that was shed on the 14th day was placed on the doorframe. Everybody with me? The day that Jesus came into the world, specifically to Jerusalem was on the 10th day of Nisan. The same day that the lamb that was chosen to sacrifice for the sins of the family that would save them on the 10th day of Nisan, God presented his lamb to all of the world as the savior and the sacrifice for their sins. In doing so, he fulfilled the prophecy of Daniel in the 70 weeks that on the 10th day of Nisan, the Lamb of God would come into Jerusalem, presenting himself as Messiah. 
coincidence, right? Do you remember what John said after he had baptized Jesus? And the next day, in John 1.29, what did he say? He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's why Jesus rode in on a donkey. That's why Jesus paraded into Jerusalem. And here's the evidence. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. My friends, what you need to understand is this. Everyone who called themselves a Jew knew this Bible passage because it was a prophecy referring to the coming of the long-awaited Messiah. Now, why did Jesus come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey? Here's why. Because in those days, kings rode donkey, excuse me, kings rode horses in times of war. Kings rode donkeys in times of peace. Did you hear what I just said? Kings. Jesus coming on this full of a donkey is now proclaiming, I am your king. Do you realize how long the people waited for this to take place? They tried to make him king many times before, right? But now Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and he is proclaiming, I am your king and I bring with me the terms of my peace. Jesus is saying, I am your king. Now listen very carefully, but I'm not the king you think I am. Now you know what the funny thing about this is? Rome knew that this was going to be a very special holiday. And they had strict orders from all the way at the top from Caesar, you better keep the peace because I'm telling you something, I don't want anything to disrupt what's happening in Jerusalem. But Rome got caught off guard. They never saw it coming. And here's what I mean. They expected this king to come in and be a troublemaker. But Jesus didn't come that way. Jesus came in as a king, and he came in as a very peaceful way. And that created problems for Rome. So the Bible tells us now that Jesus and his disciples are coming from Bethphage to Bethany and then to the Mount of Olives and then to Jerusalem. They had to travel about, oh, two and a half to three miles. As they're coming in, Jesus is on the foal of a donkey, and the gatherers there begin to do something. Remember what it was? What did the little kids start doing? They started waving palm branches, right? But they also did something else. They put down their coats on the ground so that Jesus on the foal of a donkey could walk over it. Now, why in the world would he do that? And here's why. 
When we went back to the book of Genesis that I just showed you a little bit ago, do you remember what Jesus did when sin entered the world? He covered it with what? Clothing. You see, when they put their coats on the ground and Jesus was walking over those coats, what Jesus was declaring to all of the world is this, I will trample over sin. And the people are so happy, they're waving their palm branches. Now, that wasn't uncommon in those days because a palm branch was a sign of joy and celebration. Oh, but it was more than that. It was also a sign of national liberation. It would be like you and I waving our American flag. And what the people were saying was this. That is our man, and this is our day. Have you heard of a man by the name of Josephus? Josephus was a Jewish historian. We're thankful for Josephus because he records many things for us. One of the things that he tells us is that as Jesus is coming down, and the Bible affirms that this is the Passover, what we learn from Josephus is sometimes how many people would show up in Jerusalem for the Passover. Sometimes there would be 2.5 to 3 million people that would show up on the Passover. Now, I know you may be thinking, well, how in the world do you know that? Because the temple kept track of the number of sacrifices that they sacrificed. And Josephus tells us that there were times when they sacrificed more than 250,000 lambs during the Passover. Now, what you need to know about this is that the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that for every lamb, there had to be a minimum of 10 people. So now you know how we get our numbers. But in Jerusalem, something is very interesting is happening during this Passover. And here's what it is. There's two topics of conversation. You know what one of them is? Lazarus. You see, Lazarus was just raised from the dead. And there were a lot of people that knew about Lazarus because remember, he was dead four days. The Jews believed, they believed that, if you, if you, that the spirit hung around for three days. After the third day, the spirit went on. So Lazarus was dead four days, which means he was dead dead, and Jesus rose him from, raised him from the dead, and there were a lot of people that saw it, and they knew about it. And so can you imagine this? What are you staring at? That's Lazarus. That's the dude that was dead. And they said he was dead, dead because he stunk. But look at him. He's walking around. Look at all the people that are tagging behind him. I've heard everybody's asking him, so what's it like to be dead? What did you see? Did you see a light? But there's a second conversation. And the second conversation is probably the more important piece, and this is what everybody's asking. So do you think Jesus is coming? Now, why would they ask that? Here's why the Bible tells us. So from that day on, they plotted to what? Take his life. They wanted to know if Jesus was coming because everybody knew they loved Jesus, but they also knew the leaders hated him. 
So think about this. You think America's bad right now? There were three parties, three political parties now that are part of this time. The first one is what we call the Sanhedrin. This was made up of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, okay? The second political party was the Zealots. These were the most conservative of all the Jews. They wanted to have nothing to do with the Romans. And the third party is the Romans themselves. But with those three political parties, guess what? There's three leaders. Caiaphas, who's the high priest. Herod, who's the king of the Jews. And somebody by the name of Pilate, right? Now watch what happens here. So the Bible tells us that as Jesus is coming down the side of the, of the Mount of Olives, that the crowd of people from the inside begin to move out toward him. So now we have these two crowds coming together. And you know what happens as soon as they meet? A chant breaks out. And you know what the chant is? Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they shouted it, the Bible says, doesn't it? Why were they shouting it? Because they are filled with joy. This is the time and this is the man. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What they're doing is they're simply repeating Psalm 118. That's what they're doing. Why would they do that? Because they knew what was taking place. This was the long-awaited Messiah. Do you understand that? They were declaring, we know who this is now. This is the long-awaited Messiah. And you know what the most interesting thing about this story is this? Jesus doesn't say a thing. You know what's interesting about that? Do you remember every time Jesus did a miracle, what did he tell the person he did the miracle to? Don't tell anyone. But now he's silent. Why? Because his hour had come. This is the day. This is the time. And they're right. I am the long-awaited Messiah. I'm starting to get goosebumps right now. Now, what happens next, only Luke tells us. Only Luke. All of the other ones all talk about Palm Sunday, but only Luke tells us this. Watch what happens. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. There's only one other time in the Bible that we hear that Jesus wept. Remember what it was? That's right, Lazarus' tomb. This is the second time now where Jesus releases control of his emotions. Not loses control. He releases control of emotions. And what you need to know is that when Jesus weeps, it means a deep, loud weeping. Can you imagine what the people are thinking? What's wrong? This is a happy day. We just had a parade. We're all shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why is he crying? Why is he weeping? And the answer is this. God had presented his Messiah. 
the long-awaited Messiah. And the people missed it. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? You just told us. You just told us that they were saying, hey, here comes a long way. No, no, no. They missed it. You know how we know they missed it? Because in just a few, few more days, they crucify him. Here's what the leaders are feeling. Fear. They are very afraid of Jesus. The way he teaches and the things he does, there is a fear that they have about Jesus. But that's not it. They also are frustrated by him. It's almost as if he knows what they're thinking. And the third thing is this. They're angry. They're angry at him and they hate him because he threatens their lifestyle. I want you to understand something here, okay? I'm going to bring this to a close now. When you're with Jesus, you can't be in the middle, right? You can't be in the middle, and saying nothing is like saying no. Now, so if being in the middle I'm not supposed to be there. I can't be there. And there's a decision that needs to be made. So what's the question? And here's the question. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I want you to look at that word stirred right there. That word stirred means shaken to the core. In other words, whenever anyone is around Jesus, they are shaken to the core. You see, with Jesus comes this feeling, we'll call it, that you have to make a decision. And the decision you have to make is, who do you say that he is? And the people in Jerusalem got it almost right. Jesus wept because he came declaring that he is the Messiah, but they missed it. They rejected him, and they sent him to the cross. But you know what's interesting about that? Even though they rejected him, Jesus still went to the cross, didn't he? He still went to the cross to sacrifice his life for the sins of all mankind. But my dear friends in Christ, that does not change one very important question. Who do you say that he is? Everyone who has ever lived on this earth must answer that question. And you remember, Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? But he didn't stop there, did he? What did he say? He said, now, who do you say that I am? How do we know, Pastor Bob, that that's the question that's supposed to be asked? Look at this. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Today, God presents to us 
his lamb, his choice for the sins of the world. The question that Jesus now asks, or the Father now asks is, so what are you going to do with this lamb, with this Messiah? Will you believe? Will you call on him as your Lord and Savior? Or will you say nothing and be left to eternal death? I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning and close this with this. It was the 10th day of Nisan when the father would bring the lamb. And you know where he would bring it? He would bring it into the home. And he would say to his family, this is the lamb. And the blood of this lamb will save us from death. On Palm Sunday, the 10th of Nisan, does anybody know where Jesus was heading when he came into Jerusalem? The temple. The house of his God. Where is that house of God today? It's in my heart. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, he will open the door and I will come in and dine with him and he with me. God has presented to you your Messiah. Take him into your home because the blood of that Messiah saved all the world from spiritual death. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad Jesus came. So this week, let's walk this journey with him. How can you not? Let's walk this journey with him. Let's gather together for Monday, Thursday, and let's celebrate the communion that he gave to us. Let's gather together on Good Friday at noon where we remember the death and the pain, the blood that was shed on the cross. Oh, and then we're going to gather with a bunch, a whole bunch of people next Sunday to celebrate the coming of that Messiah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that from the very beginning you had a plan. And as soon as sin entered into the world, you put that plan into motion. Thank you, God. And all throughout history, you continue to remind us that there is a sacrificial lamb who is coming and his name is Jesus. And now he has come. He has paid the price for my sin and you have raised him from the dead and he has ascended into heaven. I know he's coming back, but this time it won't be on a donkey. He'll come back on a horse. And Lord, my brothers and sisters and I will welcome him because we have taken him into our hearts.
Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in that name I pray. Amen. Would you please stand? Receive the benediction as you go, okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. I'll see you this week. God bless you.